Hey guys, welcome to the All Things Running Podcast. It's your host Jacob here, and today I sit down and talk with Cole Bishop, a good friend of mine from the University of Pittsburgh. We actually went to school there together for all four years, and we're roommates in the latter two years. We met on the club running team there, actually. And it was cool to be able to sit down with a friend and talk to him today. We talked about a lot of things, including his origins in the sport, and mainly the Laurel Highlands Ultra 70.5 miler he ran for second place. It was really cool to be there and experience that and see him absolutely kick it, kick ass out there on the course. So nonetheless, guys, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if you did, obviously, I would appreciate if you rated the podcast, give it a five-star review. Maybe put it on an Instagram story or something. Tag me. You know, spread the word about this channel. Hopefully, we can get more and more listeners as I continue to post on a weekly basis over the course of the next couple months here. And yeah, enjoy this one. I'll see you guys in the next one. All right, welcome on to the podcast, Cole. Everyone, this is Cole T. Bishop from uh, University of Pittsburgh. We were roommates for uh, two years and knew each other for four years, both running on the club running team at Pitt. Um, and yeah, I've been really excited about this one. Today, we're going to talk with Cole about his 70.5 miler he ran uh, at Laurel Highlands in um, June, I think. Yeah, it was, it was like June. early June. In early June. Uh, we're going to talk about his crazy uh, running ventures outside of that because Cole likes to do a lot of stuff that makes your eyes pop. Um, and yeah, let's just get into it. First of all, a little background. I'm just going to start dropping some times, Cole. I did some yeah. research on you. Yeah, so. dig, dig around. What did you find? So at Penn Hills High School, your class of 2016, same as Zach. Um, and you ran 206 into 800, which is actually faster than I, I, I thought or would have expected. Um, yeah, I, I ran 206 like eight times <laughs> between relay splits and opens. Yeah, 206 all the time. Yeah, it's pretty good. And uh, 437 in the 1600. Um, yeah. 1015 in the 3200 and you ran 1737 in the 5k and cross country so you know you're a pretty good runner in high school um but i think it was clear to me that you're always a distance guy truly but the 206 800 nonetheless is very surprising given you know your tendency to run those longer distances um and then coming into pit you know you uh did some pretty crazy stuff you ran 66 miles in frick park one day um you just, I think you've run a cup, you've run a marathon and an, on an indoor track senior year this last year. Yep. Uh, I want to talk about that too. And you also have the uh, club record for the steeplechase. Uh, that blows my mind. I don't know how that's <laughs> the club record, but I think it was like 11, 11, 12, 11, like 12. Six, it was like six minute pace because it was 20 minutes after the 10K. Dude, wait, can you tell the, did you tell the listeners about that day? Because that was the day you did four events, right? Yeah, that was that was my big four event day. And it was snowing. Dude, tell you gotta tell the fans yeah. about this real quick. Yeah, so we as the like the club team, you know, we sign up for a variety of like both club races that are just other university clubs as well as like division three and division two. Sometimes the low DN D one team will be at places. But so we were going to Bethany College out in West Virginia. And it was our, I believe, first outdoor track meet. It was like a March track meet. So you never know how March track meets are going to be around here. And uh, it presented the odd opportunity where I could run the 10K, the 3K steeple, the 5K, and the 4x4 all in one go. So almost almost maxing out on the distance that I could get over four events. 
But uh, the the order on that was 10K and then like 20 or 30 minutes later, the 3K steeple. And then the 5K was a good bit later. I had like five Mm, or six hours. mm -hmm. And then I had about 10 minutes before the four by four. (laughs) Yeah, that Um, was crazy, dude. Well, like when did it really hurt? At what point? I would say there there wasn't really much like hurting until the 5K. Like I felt pretty Mm -hmm. solid through 10K. Like 10K was like a good... like a well-paced effort like i don't know ran very very even pretty much the entirety Mm. of the race um and then the 3k steeple like i i had never steepled before i'd actually never gone over a steeple at all before the first steeple in the race yeah um and one of our teammates nick wolk he had told me about how on the last lap if you're feeling good you have to hurdle the pit like jump over the steeple directly into the water so I just wanted to set myself up to like feel good and like be running fast to do that at the end and not be like at the back of the pack and like struggling along and try and do something showy. So I went out like extremely slow. I was in like second to last out of like 10 or 12 guys through the first like probably two or three laps. But luckily then a massive snowstorm kicked up and there was just it was like being in a snow globe all over the track. <laughs> And all these kids just started coming back to me. And I like I negative split this race pretty, pretty heavily. I would say I, I maybe came through the mile in like 620. And then oh my gosh, uh, I brought it down to like a six minute average. So I ran probably like a 530 over the last uh, almost mile of the race. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was able to reel in everybody except for the leader in second. And on that last lap, I think I got like three guys and I hurtled directly into the water pit on the last lap, which... I was just setting myself up to have as much fun as I could with that race. And it was cold, uh, man. It was not uh, like, like it's snowing. It was like 30 degrees out or whatever. Yeah. And like same, oh, same with gosh. the 10k earlier. I mean, the 10k, we'd get like two laps of it being nice and then two laps of it being snow and then the snow would stop and then the snow would start again. It was, it was, it was a miserable conditions, but I was having fun because I was just focused on, you know, getting through all four events and trying to have as much fun as I could. Yeah, that was a tough day for me. The five k man, I went in there going like I'm running sub fifteen, and then I, then it just starts snowing. It's cold. Oh, it yeah, bad. it was not a good day for fast times at all. No, it's a good day to like mess around in the steeple, you know? Yeah, like, no, have some it absolutely fun in the steeple or something. That was the craziest thing was I was only like I think like eight seconds off my ten k PR, which I didn't expect because the conditions were terrible, and I was pretty much in training for <laughs> ultra mode by that point. So the fact yeah. that I was able to like still run like low 34 i gotta break 34 at some point and stop being slow but that that's gonna have to come later probably next spring is that in breaking uh what 20 and the ak you what was the barrier you didn't break it was like i i broke 27 once you did break 27 yeah yeah i I broke it once two years ago and then i didn't break it this season at all yeah Uh, you had a rough go of it the the last uh, season yeah that was bad i came off of like three months of injury and then kind of like so slowly ramp up mileage i like i definitely wasn't even peaking at the end of the season i was just whatever mm-hmm. i could get out of myself yeah yeah for those who are listening colt has a tendency to get injured i would say both of us are kind of injury prone runners so yeah. he he went through a lot of injuries in his time at pit is the same as me yeah i would say i'm i'm getting better about it i actually because of hopping on the pod i went back and was like looking on my strava over like the last year 
and my lowest mileage week, I had one 13 mile week. So there hasn't been a week that I had to take a zero in the last 52 wow. weeks, which kind of blows my mind. Let's keep that streak going, man. That's good. Yeah I, yeah. I feel like I've, I've had a lot of weeks where I only ran maybe like two to three days, but I sort of think I've been able to run at least two days a week for the last year or so. And yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive for me. Usually I just mm. overtrain. I lose a month or two, like yeah. straight zeros. So because like this is shaping up to be the most mileage I've ever gotten in a year, which is huge because awesome. I'm not doing as big of weeks as I have in the past. But, mm. you know, I don't know. I'm listening to my body and like taking a day off if I need it here and there. Yeah, I think it's, pay- I think it's paying dividends that I don't have to take weeks off. Absolutely, man. I think that's huge. Like better be safe than sorry. And it'll save you in the long run. You can, uh, you know, if you got to run 40 mile weeks for a little bit instead of going right to 60, um, it's probably going to be better for you just gonna get injured if you go right to 60 or 70 or whatever it is Um, yeah i've done that several times yeah maybe you're like not as injury injury prone as we think it's just the fact that you've kind of gone a little haywire in the past um yeah i i don't know there was just a point i think the problem was i was indestructible at one point and like nothing mm -hmm. would injure me like i think from when i started back up running for like our freshman year i didn't have any injuries from freshman year through like the summer after freshman year like i got a good Mm -hmm. like nine months straight of training in and then i lost a month but then i got another like year straight off of that and then since Mm -hmm. then it was sort of like junior senior year i messed up Mm -hmm. bad over and over Mm -hmm. yeah all right um and then post-college going back to the background just to finish round it out a little bit um yeah obviously the thing we're going to talk about today is the 70.5 miler where you ran 12 hours, 12 minutes, and 47 seconds for second place um, on June 11th, it was, now that I see the date on my screen. Uh, okay. That was that was a pretty crazy race to watch, and we, we will talk about that because that was a big one. Um, the other thing I wrote under post-college was running a marathon on the indoor track, but I think that was actually during college, so I don't know why I wrote I that. did do that during college. Yeah, you did that like bef- in the build-up to your, your 70.5 miler. Yeah, it was one of my monthly marathon or more efforts I was doing. Yes, that's right. That's right. Okay, well, let's um, move into the main section here. First of all, um, I wanted to ask you what this was because I, I just found this the other day. I'm going to share my screen. I found I didn't oh, realize man. you did this because I've been off the Strava, but you paced Nolan for a 40-miler. Oh, that's um, so funny! You just figured this out. I just saw this. <laughs> I don't go on Strava now, dude. It makes me sad. So I yeah, just now that makes sense. But I, I saw this. I was like, dude, what the? Like, I just want to show people that this is the type of stuff. Cold pools, like out of nowhere, like just next to you know, he's driving four hours out to pace his friend for what was this? What was this actually? Was this a hundred miler? Or yeah, it was. It was the Eastern States hundred miler. Um, so what originally how this was supposed to go was it was our friend and club teammate, Nolan, uh, Nolan had signed up for Eastern States 100 and was on the wait list up until like three weeks before the race. And he had only signed up because his mom was signing up and his mom does Mm -hmm. ultra marathons as well. And he got off of the wait list and into the race, like pretty last second. And his plan was to just run with his mom and basically act as a pacer that is also still in the race. Mm, Um, mm. And then I would be hopping on and pacing both of them together until the end. Uh, So Mm. the plan was to hop on at mile like 63.9. There's an aid station uh, 
which this race is like, you can tell just by looking at the topography. I mean, it just goes through the middle of the woods mostly. So mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. once in a while you'd break out to like a road, but uh, I was supposed to pick them up at like a little bit after midnight. And then it turned out that Nolan's mom kind of had a, a turn for the worse and wasn't able to keep food down. Oh, too well. little reminiscent, huh? Yeah. Very, very similar to some of my issues in the past. Oh, man. Uh, so she actually ended up, dropping out at Mm. mile 63.9 where i was supposed to come and pick them both up so instead i just picked up nolan Mm. and Mm. at this point you know this is like we they were like back of the pack at this point uh probably only five or so runners behind them Mm. and Mm. nolan and i made it our plan to see how far up he could move in the race and over the last 40 miles nolan and i managed to pass 50 percent of the field Oh my gosh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, I think I I went and looked at the guy who won the race. Nolan actually ran the last like 25 miles like significantly faster than the guy who won the race. Wow. Oh my yeah, gosh. Like we, we we really put the the hammer on towards the end of the race. I mean, if you scroll down to like the bottom of the yeah. miles there. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah like you, you guys see, started going down. Yeah. Yeah, like there's the it's it, always times are deceiving on the trail but what i can tell you is those last couple miles there were just like single track with like a 30 foot drop on both sides running on like slate rocks the guy who won the race his last three miles were like an average of 18 minute pace because it's like it's hard Uh, to run it whereas uh nolan and i were doing everything we could to keep just you know let the body let gravity go and just roll down the hill yeah yeah but it that was an awesome day out. It was super fun to be out there. And like, you could tell by the pace. I mean, it was 15 minute pace. There you uh, go. Look. So definitely a lot of hiking. Little video. Yeah. You can get oh, a little fun. bit of a look. Cool, man. That's, is that Nolan right there? Yeah. That's, I can that's tell he's Nolan got the right man there. bun. He's got the man bun. That's the, yeah. that's the Nolan iconic look. Um, that's so yeah, cool, that's dude. Nolan's I, race look. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just go on Strava to look at your runs. Cause those don't get me down. Cause it's just, I don't know. It's just crazy stuff, you know. Uh, yeah, a lot of times, I'm just having fun. Yeah, it's it's just the same people I know, like Sean and stuff, do workouts that that makes oh, me feel yeah. a little bit sad. But uh, that's yeah, all right. We'll be back. Can't soon. be looking at workouts. You just gotta no. go look at me running around in the woods. Exactly. That just that just makes me happy, man. All right. So let's first of all, I like what I like to do with all my guests is a little origin story. I like to hear how people got into running. So why don't you tell? Okay. Why don't you tell us how you got into running, when when that was, what piqued your interest, et cetera. Yeah, so I got into running with seventh grade track. And uh, it was actually the, the first, like, organized sport that I ever joined. I didn't play any sports growing up, no, no soccer, like, never was on any teams or anything. A lot of my friends were, but just, you know, my parents didn't force me into it, and I didn't really have the desire to do it. Um but then track season was coming up and I always liked running. Like I liked screwing around. I, like I, I grew up very outdoorsy. So the idea of, you know, going out and running was something that sounded interesting to me. And then it was actually a bunch of my friends uh, back in middle school were the ones that like convinced me to come out and run for the team. And it's funny because I'm the only one that runs now. <laughs> out of like everyone that I met that like got me into it in middle school, I'm pretty much the only one left. Mm. Uh and, you know, I was I was more into running than them pretty much from the get-go. Not that I was super into it in middle school or anything. But, I mean, I definitely had humble beginnings. So, at seventh grade, I was a, 
a 645 miler and like a 245 in the eight and like a 67 in the four. Oh, yeah. It might have even been a 70 in the four. 67 <laughs> might be eighth grade PR. I, I definitely, <laughs> I am not naturally fast. That's that's for sure. I naturally, I like running and I like pushing myself, but I was not like a an instantly good and competitive at running type of guy. Mm, mm. Yeah. So that kind of piqued your interest, just your friends telling you to do it. Yeah. And then uh, going into high school, well, it was just history, you know, history wrote itself once, once you got into it, you just, yeah. I mean, like that's, that's when it all started to kind of click was like freshman year. I was, you know, we didn't have like a big program feeding into like cross country and we didn't have middle school cross country. Uh, but mm. I happened to run a road race 5k that was being held by the high school cross country coach while I was in eighth grade. And he was like, Oh, well, you know about cross country. Right. And I'm like, uh, I think I know what it is. And he's like, yeah, we run like five K's like in the woods on grass. Like you got to come out and run this thing. Uh, and I think at that five K I ran like 22 minutes and something, which like I was very excited about. That's good. Uh, yeah. So then, you know, the fall came around and I, I joined cross country and the, the, I started falling in love with it really fast. Cause then we were doing more like trail runs. That was the first time I ever got like introduced to running on trails. We'd go out mm -hmm. to our local mm -hmm. park voice park, like every single day. And like, even all of our workouts, our workouts were on like grass fields. And like, mm -hmm. we would do like tempos on like dirt trails, like wide dirt trails and stuff, which mm -hmm. was like a neat way to get into it. Uh, I think being in the woods that much and running definitely like sparked something for me. But I could tell things were changing when I was like running my mile PRs in like mile repeat workouts during cross country. Cause like, I think I came into it as like a barely sub six guy and we'd go out and run mile repeats and like, I'd run the last one in like five forty or something like that. And mm -hmm. I was like, Whoa, mm -hmm. like this is going to get somewhere. Uh, but then from then on, I took it pretty seriously. Like I, I would train during the summers and everything. I was definitely, mm -hmm. I was a, I was a high mileage guy by our team standards but probably lower mileage by uh like standards across the board for high school like i think i ran a 50 mm. once but most of the time i ran like 30 to 35 yeah yeah what was your go-to event in high school was it two mile um yeah i wanted the two mile to be my go-to event i think this is this will tie back into you bringing up my 800 time being more impressive than you would have thought uh, yeah. The the problem was our entire team's philosophy and like our coach's philosophy was that everyone should train as like a 400 runner and then differentiate from there, uh, which I think was good because it built up my sp like my base speed a ton. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I mean, we did like classic workouts were like 16 by 200 with like walk across the diagonal mm -hmm. and 12 by 400 with like. 200 meter jog like those were like yeah. classic staple workouts and they were you know run them hard like i would mm -hmm. say i was running them faster my like junior and senior year of high school than i could run them now like i don't know we used to close out those 400 workouts with like you know 63s and we used to Ooh. close out the 200s with like 27s 26 highs sometimes which like i don't know if i could run a 26 high i don't know the last time i did run a 26 high that would be tough That'd be yeah. tough to pull out like, a 26 something now. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to try. I'd have to like go and do some strides for a couple weeks uh yeah. to get back to even being able to do that, I think. But 
because of that, like I wanted to be a 3,200 guy, but I'm doing 200s and 400s all the time. So mm. my 3,200 just never really went the way I wanted it to. Like I always thought I should have been like a sub 10, 3,200 guy in high school, but never really had the chance. I ran like a 10, 13 indoors off of just base training the one year, which mm. coincidentally is when I was doing high mileage and just tempos. Mm. Mm -hmm. But then we immediately put me on doing 200s and 400s and I kind of lost that. But then mm -hmm. I got better at the mile. And as far as like our region went, the mile was not as competitive as the two mile. So like I could make districts in the mile, but I couldn't make it in the mm -hmm. two mile. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I sort of I sort of ended up focusing more on the mile over junior and senior year just due to a variety of conditions. Yeah, I can kind of see the connections now between like what the th the things you were doing in high school and what you like to do in college, like with the fact that you did a lot of trails every day uh, yep. for your workouts kind of links up now with the, your trail running. And also the fact that like you were your coach was speed oriented in track and that you like to do like the four by four at the end of track meets and stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it kind of makes sense. Now I can like link those things up. Um, that's like your iconic move is the four by four. <laughs> you just love doing yeah, running, your Strava running profile. Your Strava profile bio is um, I'll join your four by four relay or something. I forget yeah, what like, it is. It's, I think it's like ultra runner that will gladly join your four by four hundred. Yes, that's what it is. I just, like I yeah, just saw I'll, it. I'll always run a four by four at the end of the meet. I mean, you're not getting much faster than like a 59 out of me anymore. And if I just ran the 5k, you're not getting faster than a 62 ever so oh do you remember the uh mount union raider tune-up four by four you were gassed i remember when you were on my relay too i think yeah were you? Was, yeah you were yeah. yeah i think that was that was the last time i ran like a decent time i ran like a 57 low on that i think yeah you ran fast but, man you ran fast yeah, yeah that was the last time i ran like a, a slightly faster one other than that i don't know when the last time i even broke 60 was man that that was a fun race because uh, we had the rivalry with the the younger team, the younger yeah. squad. Uh, uh, at Pitt. it was kind of it's the fun thing about running for club. Tell the listeners is that like it's very laid back and people just do what they want. Uh, like Cole doing four events in one day, like you can just do stuff like that. And we always just like doing the four by fours at the end of meets because why not? Like it's just for fun and like. I don't know. Usually the meets we go to, there's not like crazy fast four by 400 teams. So like we actually are, kind, we kind of compete by only running like 56, 57, which is really funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're normally like middle of the pack at these like low yeah. end G3 meets in the four by four, which is very odd. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was weird. I heard the Mount Union one, there was like no one there by the time we were racing. I remember it was pretty quiet. Yeah. It was just us and like some, I don't know, not great four by four teams. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even at even at Bethany, one of our club team four by fours won. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Like, like uh, they only ran like three forty two, but they won <laughs> because most of the teams dropped because it was, you know, thirty two degrees and snowing yeah. all day. And I don't know, our guys still went out there and did that. I was on the last place four by four that day. We ran like a four thirteen. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which is terrible. <laughs> Who ran the slowest split, split? It wasn't me. I don't remember who it was, but it was not me. <laughs> oh, that's horrendous. Oh, my yeah, gosh. I don't know. We had a weird mix of we – had, we had guys that, like, have hardly ran on it. We had me who had already raced, like, 11 miles that day. Yeah. Uh, 
it was it, it wasn't our <laughs> cleanest four by four, but it was very fun. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Um, yeah, I, I actually I got to hand off to one of my buddies from high school that I actually didn't overlap with him running in high school. Then <sighs> he like he started running in high school after I graduated. Yeah, he came to pit, joined the club team, and then this was like our our finally getting to run on a relay together thing. Was that um Brennan? Yeah, that was Brennan. Brennan. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Um, all right, let's talk about your uh, seventy point five miler, man. Um. I think that's what a lot of people here would be excited to uh, hear you talk about. Um, yeah. So first of all, I want to talk about, you know, when you were starting, I, I you kind of made your own plan. Like you, you usually coach yourself with these ultra races. What going into your block? What what were you thinking in terms of build up and you know mileage workouts? Uh, and what were you going to do differently from your uh, build up going into the JFK 50 miler, which didn't go too well for the listeners, unfortunately. He had nutrition issues where he couldn't get food down same as nolan's mom uh, and had to call it around 38 miles Um, so yeah how were how were things different from that and what what were you kind of doing yeah so i came into this one having done like a little bit some more research some you know i'd done more blocks before and sort of i had a better idea of what works for me and what doesn't so i sort of had two different ways of sort of attacking this block um so the, the first part of the block, and I would say block loosely, but my training leading up to this was essentially, you know, since we had the club team, we still had indoor track, outdoor track, and then a half marathon, uh, which was going to be in April. So my plan was to stick to doing the fast stuff for the most part. You know, I was doing a lot of just getting ready for like 10K and half marathon. So I was doing a lot of a lot of tempo workouts. I'd do like two miles at marathon, mile at half marathon, two miles at marathon, mile at half marathon, like off and on like that. Uh, do a lot of 1K repeats working down from like marathon pace down to like 5K pace. Uh, you know, short rest, stuff like that. Uh, but a lot of like high volume workouts. And like I build into that pretty slowly. Uh, but the other part of that early phase was that I wanted to get used to longer time on feet. So Every month I tried to do something that was a marathon or more. So like, like Jacob had said earlier, I did a marathon on our indoor track the one day, uh, which my buddy, and he also ran the 70.5, Alex Wang, he did that marathon with me on the indoor track, which was super fun. But like another month I did, I think it was like 15 miles of like hiking. I just went and hiked all around a bunch of steep roads and trails and then when my watch dinged 15, I started running. And then I did 15 hilly miles of running at like 745, 8 flat. But at the end of the day, it was like six hours on feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was always, I was trying to get a long effort in each month, basically from December up through April. And I was also kind of doing that speed, but really not anything ultra specific otherwise, or basically just building up a good bit of fitness. But then the second part of the block is where things really kind of came into action where I had the opportunity to go out to Colorado for the month to mm-hmm. live and work and train because my aunt happens to live right outside of Boulder, Boulder, Colorado. So I knew I wanted to do something after graduating and I talked to her and she was like, you can come stay in the spare bedroom, do whatever you want. Like we'll hang out, we'll have dinner, da 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 da. do your thing. I'll do my thing. We'll hang out. Uh, So I couldn't pass that up. So I went out to Colorado for the month of May. And that's when I did what I think was all the most important stuff for 
getting ready for the Laurel Highland 70.5 because I kind of I had the speed kind of coming in. I've had some days on feet, but not really, you know, putting in the continuous time that mm-hmm. I feel like you kind of have to to get ready for the long ultras. Mm-hmm. And being out in Colorado, I, I got the elevation training, which was awesome. It was like, it's kind of optimal to be out there for a month and then come mm-hmm. back down. So mm-hmm. that was unplanned, but sort of perfect. Uh, but then a lot of got to spend a lot of times in the mountains doing like very technical, very vert heavy runs. Like I would do like a 16 mile run and I'd get between four and 5,000 feet of elevation gain. Mm-hmm. And like Jeez. a couple, like, I think the, the most vertical mile that I did was like, 1600 feet of gain or 1800 feet of gain in a single mile it was like a 25 minute mile but you gotta think i was essentially just hiking and pulling myself up rocks with my hands uh i wonder what the grade adjusted pace would be on that honestly i have no (laughs) idea because i felt like my heart was gonna pound out of my chest just hiking up that Mm -hmm. uh Mm-hmm. But so I did a, a lot of a lot of big vert days and like they were slow, you know, was, uh, they'd be like 10, 11 minute pace. You know, I'd basically hike as fast as I could up the hills and on the downhills, even though it was like technical single track, I tried to run like 830s, which I think for the conditions is fast enough because a lot of times that same effort was translating to like, you know, 7, 730 when I was out flat, but doing a lot of those like three hour runs. But what I did different than JFK was I stopped doing like giant days every week. When I had built up for JFK, I would do like a 22 to 24 mile run every week, uh, which I think got me in really good shape, but I think it burnt me out. I don't think I had as Mm. much left in the tank. Like the legs were not super fresh going into that race. Mm -hmm. Whereas for Laurel Highlands, I really broke things up and I was trying to do like back-to-back long runs, but a little bit shorter. So I would do like like 16 and 14 with that heavy vert. I, I more so would do things by time. My big aim was to do like a three hour run and a two hour run on back-to-back days or like two and a half and two. I, I built up to three hours and two hours, mm. Um, mm. but I, I didn't really do many workouts out there. I did like a, an extended tempo once on some really like hilly terrain. It was like 200 feet of gain per mile on average. Um, but yeah, just getting used to like long, hard days immediately after long, hard days, um, mm. which sort of culminated in me doing like a three hour run. And then two days later, I got the chance to go out to Magnolia Road. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I did the iconic Magnolia 16 and I did it in the harder direction. I went downhill first and then uphill. And for those that don't know, Magnolia Road's at over 8000 feet of elevation. Mm-hmm. Uh it's very rolling. It's like an average of a hundred feet of gain per mile. Yeah. And you actually, you lose a good bit of uh, elevation from like the start point to the eight mile where you turn around about like 400 feet. So you have a net gain on the way back. So I pretty much just let gravity do its thing and took it very easy on the way back or on the way out, just working on like my breathing and everything. And I don't know. I was probably somewhere in the ballpark of like seven flat ish for Mm -hmm. that on the way out. And then I turned around and I mean, I I ran just about as hard as I physically could coming back. And that was running a little bit under seven flats. Like, I think I may have barely negative split it. You ripped it. You ripped it. I remember your pace was fast for Magnolia. I was very surprised. I mean, that's tough. There were there were some like uphill miles that I split like six twenties, like six thirties on, which 
was huge. I mean, what, what I've seen a lot of people say, like, I think I averaged a little bit under seven minute pace. It seems like the rule of thumb is like, if you wanted to compare it to like a sea level run of 16 miles, like running flat, it would probably be the equivalent of running like low six minute pace mm-hmm. as opposed to it being mm-hmm. high six minutes. So it's one of those ones that mm-hmm. doesn't translate in the numbers, but like going out there when I finished that, I knew I was in a good spot being as though yeah. that was just a couple days after one of those big mountain days. Was that kind of a big confidence booster for you going into the 70.5 mile or knowing you could kind of rip like that still? Yeah. Like you had the turnover as well. In addition to the ability to climb. Yeah, it was it was good to know that I was still holding on to everything because I feel like sometimes I get pretty heavy one way or the other. But this is one mm. of those like just golden times where I felt like, yeah, I can I can go fast if I need to go fast. I can grind uphill if I need to. And I feel really good like bombing downhill and mm. like still recovering while I'm going downhill. I feel like that was sort of big is like being able to keep it in control, but be fast on downhills. Yeah. Are you ever thinking about trying to like keep some element of speed in your, in your training during these these blocks like for your 70.5 mile or are you mostly just like trying to rip hills um you know get the elevation i would say i'm, I'm definitely more elevation heavy more just vert heavy getting in those hills uh i'm definitely i i try to keep enough of the speed in it like like i had said for the laurel highland 70.5 i was doing you know, a lot of workouts, like two workouts a week or like a workout and a long run workout pretty much every week from January through the middle of April. And then I kind of cut that back and just went for time on feet more than anything and like mm. just staying healthy. So I feel like it, it for me, it's a good way of getting like the base in there and getting the speed in and then fine tuning the hill stuff and doing faster stuff when I feel like it. Like if there's like a segment that I really want or like a section that I really like to push, I mean, just on random days, I would, you know, push an uphill that I like for 20 minutes. But, you know, I wouldn't even think of it as being a workout. It was just, oh, I'm going to run harder for a little bit here. So I I do Mm. think it's important to still have some of that faster stuff. I'm Mm. actually trying Mm. to throw more fast stuff back into my training right now because I've kind of been just time on feet lately again. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so you've kind of hinted at it already, but you know how how did you feel your buildup went going into the seventy point five mile, or like was there anything that you were kind of disappointed about, or were you feeling very good about how things went, you know, leading I, into the race? Leading into the race, I think I had the like the perfect buildup. Like I felt very very fresh. It was not reminiscent of JFK fifty at all. JFK fifty, I was running eighty to a hundred miles a week on singles. Uh, I would double occasionally, and usually if I doubled, it was a double workout, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was doing those long, long runs. Like, I had a I had a ton of confidence in JFK up until maybe, like, four weeks beforehand, and then my legs were just starting to be toast. I mean, I would go out and do, like, a 50K at, like, I don't know, I think I did a 50K at, like, 7.30 pace with a bunch of hills and everything. Essentially, like, a full-on race simulation. Yeah. And then three days later, I ran 50 miles over three days. Like, I mean, I, I had probably 90 miles in five days in that stretch of time, which that, I think that was too much of a peak for me. It's not it's not a sustainable way of running for me. And mm-hmm. I think more than anything, I lost like the mental edge, just feeling my legs go away. I didn't have the mental edge going into JFK, whereas Laurel Highlands, you know, I came back after my week 
or after my month in Colorado and like I got back here and just felt like every hill was unstoppable. Like I cut back the mileage super, super seriously and like mm. just got ready. You know, I, I took like two days off the week leading up to it, like just doing everything that I thought was going to put me in like a prime position. So when the, when the day came to start Laurel Highlands, I was, I, I knew I'd be gunning for the front. I knew as long as I had a good day, I'd be up there. Yeah. Everyone should go look at Cole's runs from when he was in Colorado, by the way, because it's uh he he took some pretty awesome pictures. It was it was cool to follow his his time in Colorado. I feel like every other day he had some like awesome pictures of like a mountain goat or something just on his <laughs> post. Which um, is like when I was in Yellowstone, I only like my thing was I wanted to see a mountain goat. That was like the I still like that's a life goal for me is to see a mountain goat like in person. <laughs> Because I love I love them so much. I, I there was none in, in Yellowstone for the two weeks we were there, so I was kind of sad. But I, I I digress. So, uh, Cole, tell us about the race itself. I mean, I know since it's seventy point five miles, it it gets a little blurry here and there. Uh, yeah. but I feel like you're the type to be able to recall things oddly well. So take us through what you remember from the race. How to you know leading into it and everything. Yeah, so Laurel Highlands 70.5, it has like a 5.30 a.m. start time. It's like an hour, 15 minutes from where I live in Pittsburgh. And I opted to just stay at my own house the night before and make the drive down in the morning, which that meant I had to be up at like 2.30 or 2.45 and start scarfing down breakfast, which I kind of went with what I was doing before a lot of my runs out in Colorado, you know, having like a full breakfast. I had some scrambled eggs. I had a bagel. Uh, I got some cream cheese on one half of the bagel and some peanut butter on the other half. Like just getting like a, a full breakfast in. Cause I feel like, especially with these longer efforts, it's, I have a pretty good stomach with holding stuff down. I had hours before the race and uh, we made, made the trek on down in the dark and everything. You know, Who's we, we just to clarify. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I had my girlfriend, Claire, plus a couple of our friends were going to be there at the start for me. And then they were serving as my, like, crew station at all of the aid stations uh, for the earlier ones before, like, Jacob and the rest of the guys all showed up later on with some guys hopping into pace, some guys just helping pour water on me, this and that. Uh, but so I think there was the four of us that went down early in the morning for the start and you know just kept it super calm you know for these types of things there's no reason to do a warm-up i just did my normal normal routine of stretches and everything i made sure that i was going to be starting at the near the front i wasn't concerned about starting at the front because i had like a very conservative race plan in mind uh, i more so just wanted to avenge jfk 50 at first like make sure i get through the first half of this race feeling good knowing i'm gonna finish and, you know, leave it all out there when the time comes. So whenever the race actually got started, I think there was like a five minute delay and it was like lightly drizzling. And, you know, a lot of people had headlamps on because it's sort of like it's getting light out, but it's not really light out. And I decided there's no reason to have a headlamp. I know what I'm doing. I'm not running too fast. Uh, but the kid that did the indoor marathon with me or indoor track marathon with me, Alex, he was also running Laurel had 70.5. And our plan was to like, take it out easy and work together at the beginning. And that's exactly what we did. I mean, I went out probably in like 10th or 12th place through the first like four or five miles, which I would say I was definitely behind a lot of guys that I knew I would be finishing ahead of, but 
just making sure that I had a very conservative start to the day. And it's about like six miles into the race that you get the, like the most major climb of the entire race. It's like a mile that gains 1200 feet of elevation. It's, it's not technical or anything, but it's just straight up and you see the top the whole way. It's just one big cut straight up into the woods. And, uh, I had been trading or I'd been like hanging out with a couple other random people that Alex and I had bumped into and we got to that hill and, you know, I, I knew I was still going to be taking it really easy up it, but me taking it easy up the hill resulted in me dropping the like pack of guys I'd been running with. And I got up to the top of the hill and I happened to bump right into a guy. Uh, so then, you know, I wanted to keep it easy. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to hop on with him and we're going to let the miles kind of roll by. So hopped on with him I ran like two, three miles with him, kind of exchanged info and whatnot. Funny enough, he's won that Eastern States 100 miler that I went out to pace Uh, Nolan at. Wow. He he had won that race like three or four years ago. Really serious runner. This Laurel Highlands was not going to be his like a race of the Mm, racing mm. schedule for him. Uh, He was just coming out to do it again, which he ended up getting fourth and ran like, like he ran a really good time still. He closed really hard. Um, but you know, I, I left him along and, you know, the nice thing is the Laurel Highlands hiking trail, it has like little stone obelisks that are like two foot tall and they have like the mile marker on all of them. So even though your watch gets really glitchy out there, you always have those markers and I knew where all the aid stations were. So every time that I got to an aid station, I just thought of how many more markers I had to see before I'd get to the next aid station. So really I, I wasn't even thinking about the totality of the race for Mm, mm. most of the race i was just thinking oh well i only have four miles until i get to the next aid station so i'm just going to take it one marker at a time and Mm, i made mm. sure like in those early parts of the race like up until probably like 35 you know i'd catch up with someone and i'd kind of test it out to see whether they wanted me to like stay with them or like if they'd make a move or what was going on but a lot of those early guys you know it's early in the race everybody's still like no one's huffing and puffing uh, at least nobody that you know was really really going out where they should be was huffing and puffing so i'd end up running you know three four miles with this guy three four miles with that guy and the next thing i knew it i'd kind of broken through a lot of the guys and i uh, came into one of the aid stations like somewhere in the 30 mile range and i was feeling really good i knew it was time to start picking it up pretty soon and uh i got word that i was in third and that they were both really far ahead uh so didn't let it discourage me, just knew I had to kind of keep going. It's sort of me racing against the trail and hoping I'd catch up to them from that point onward. Mm. Uh, and luckily, I was able to have pacers. So our buddy Tim from the club team, uh, Tim was a last-minute swap-in for another one of our buddies to come and pace me. And Tim hopped on from, like, miles like 44 to 57, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I was feeling like really good coming into like 44, like from like 30 onward, my crew would ask like, what do you need? Like, what do you want? And I'm like, just tell Tim to be ready. Cause like, we're, we're going to go. Like, I'm going to feel good. Like we're going to go as soon as we get Tim, it's time to go. Mm-hmm. So I came into the aid station and like, finally we have Tim and all the boys have all showed up and like, everybody's hyped because it turned out that the second place guy was like, just leaving the aid station. Like I'd made up a ton of time on him. Uh, and I came in and was like, is that second leaving? And everyone's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, we're going to go get him. 
So mm. we had like a good little laugh and me and Tim just, we took off and, you know, I caught up to him within like a mile. And of course, as soon as I catch up to him, I start feeling terrible. Like <laughs> it finally hit me at like, you know, 47 miles or whatever. I was like, Oh yeah. Like now I'm in over my head. Like I've been running hard for, you know, for the last probably 10 miles. I've been pushing it a little more than I should. And I caught up to this guy and I calmed myself down and everything. But apparently, I, I didn't know this until after the race, but Tim had been, uh, you know, talking to me. And apparently I was just not giving him, like, coherent answers and kind of just <laughs> things back at him. And we, like, come up on this kid that was in second. And he's, like, another guy about my age. And he doesn't look super good. And I come up on him on, like, a hill. And he says, like, good job. And I'm like, yeah, uh, have a good day. And <laughs> just leave him. Uh, which I didn't know that I said that, but you know, maybe that was part, I'll, I'll have to talk to him again at some point. Cause I've, I, I know I'll keep bumping into this guy. Absolutely. But, you know, the, then I start feeling worse and worse and like, I'm just, I'm hobbling along, uh, but I'm not, not tripping or falling. I'm just, I'm running low on energy despite putting lots of food down. You know, this is the tired part of the day. Like we're starting to yeah. be spent. You're 50 then, miles in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to hurt. The, the next aid station where I'm going to be swapping crew, where I'm going to swap out Tim for Jim, is it like mile 54 or something? Yeah. Or no, 57. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. 57. Yeah. And uh, we get to like mile 55, and don't you know, the kid I passed just comes right back up on me and Tim, and we all just get silent. It's just the three of us silently running through the woods. None of us say anything to each other for like a mile and a half. And we all come into the aid station pretty much together. Like the kid passed me, but by like, you know, 30 yards. Uh, but he got out of that aid station fast because he wanted to keep moving up. And I, I was in pretty low spirits. I I was hoping at that aid station that I'd be feeling really good. And I'd want to have the uh, Taco Bell cheesy beefy burrito. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, was, I was a little down in the dump. So I like, took a bite and was like, nah, this isn't. Yeah, you passed me. hard on that. Yeah. yeah, I I I ate my chips and my other stuff that I normally do, and then, Mountain Dew. Yeah, had had my Mountain Dew Baja Blast, which yeah. I always have. Got a lot of water, and I mean, I'm having people dump water on me. I'm not that good with running in the heat, and I wasn't real. I wasn't heat acclimated for this race. Luckily, it was a cooler day, but I was just hot. I mean, I started carrying a handheld just to spray water on myself, uh, in addition to my vest, where I'm drinking two like 12 liter bottles every single in between aid stations. And, uh, you know, we swapped Tim for Jim and Tim's like, or Jim's like, all right, we're going to, we're going to walk it out until we hit like this road. So like, we're going to give you like a hundred yards of walk. And when we hit the road, you got to start running again. All right. Sounds good. Cause that's why I wanted to have Jim at the end. Cause I knew Jim was going to be tough on me. He was going to make mm -hmm. me race at the end, which mm -hmm. I feel like I, I wanted to have, I wanted whoever was going to push me the most at the end. Uh, mm -hmm. so we got out there and. You know, it's it's the last time I'm going to see all the crew and stuff. So we leave. It's just me and Jim. And this kid's way out there. He's left me. I haven't seen him in miles. And there's one last aid station where the crew isn't allowed to come at like 63 miles or 64 miles. And it's, it's way back in the woods. Uh, and it's just two people running it. And there's like a limited amount of food there. And I get into the aid station and the kid's just leaving it. So I'm like, oh my, even though I haven't seen him for, for the last hour and a half, he's only been four minutes ahead of me this entire time. I'm like, 
I just got to get in and out of here. So like I come up and they're like, what do you need? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like, what have you got? And they're like, we got chicken broth. And I'm like, good, I'll take it. Take the chicken broth and like anything else. They're like, I want cold water, like ice. Do you have ice? They're like, no, don't have ice. So I like lay down underneath of the like big cooler of water and just let them like run the tap of cold water on my face. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's that's good. And then I take off with my cup of broth and me and Jim just start walking again. And I'm thinking like we can we can go get this kid and that's sort of all Jim's kind of saying Jim's just giving me the occasional like like here's what your last mile was like you're falling off like we gotta start picking it up because up to this point I'd ran a lot of like 10 flats like occasionally a little bit lower a little bit more depending on the elevation but I was starting to slip into the like 11s 1130 which was not where I wanted to be uh, and Jim knew that and made sure he's pointing it out and it was just quads were done. Like I was having a hard time going downhill. I was hiking every slight uphill, even if it was only 20 yards of uphill, like a slight grade, I was still walking it. So at this point sort of falling apart and I come up with what is basically one of the last big climbs. Uh, and it's not even a big one. It's a, it's a gentle climb for, you know, 300 yards. And I come up to the top of it and I, you get like a good line of sight to a whole bunch of the trail as it starts going downhill. And we've got about five miles left. And lo and behold, the kid in second is right there. I can see him like a hundred yards ahead. So he's only got, you know, 35, like 30, 45 seconds on me now. And Jim was like, we're going to go get him. Like at this point, I'm nonverbal. I can't say anything. I'm dialed in. Uh, and I'm, I'm huffing and puffing. Like it's, it's a full on effort to run like nine 30, 10 minute pace just to get to him. I mean, every step, the quads are like shot, like all those stabilizing muscles were done, but, uh, this, this downhill keeps coming. And I know that the race ends with like three and a half miles of like gnarly downhill, like really technical, but it's downhill and you can run it. If you if you try, you can run it. And me and Jim get up to this kid. And when I get about 15 yards behind him, he starts picking it up. So we start picking it up and I'm just kind of trailing him for like a mile at that, like 15 yards. And we're like, we're pushing the downhills. He's throwing in some surges and like, I'm matching them. Imagine surges them at 66 up. miles. Yeah. We're like, we're like 66, 67 miles in. And you know, he'd like just throw his legs down a hill and we'd be going you know, seven minute pace all of a sudden. And like, I do that over and over. And like, finally we get to like one last kind of climb. And I, instead of like stopping to walk right at the bottom, I like run up to him and just stop next to him and start hiking next to him. And again, he's like, good job, man. And I'm like, uh, good, good job too, man. And we like, we hit the crest of this hill and like, we're hiking up it. And I'm like, it's all downhill from here. Like if I'm going to do it, I got to do it now. Mm -hmm. So when we hit the top of that hill, I just took five steps as fast as I could and just leaned forward and just started windmilling my arms. Uh, and there's like the, the trail is covered in rocks that are just like ankle twisters. Like they're all this size all over the place on like, otherwise it would be a nice, easy to run trail, but there's just hundreds of these rocks this big. And I just start flying and like, I am just chugging i'm breathing as hard as i can like just trying to force myself through it and we get like two minutes into this charge and jim is with me and i'm like 
Jim, like, do you see him? And he's like, no, he's like been gone. He did not react to that. And so at this point, I'm like, all right, we're going to keep going. I just keep blasting. And I hear my watch ding and I look down and it, it was a 630 mile. It's like, oh man, we're like, oh we're really gosh. in it now. And we get like a little uh. bit further. And I realize like I'm dropping Jim. Like Jim can't keep up with me on the downhill because Jim's not used to like running like technical trails and he needs to have glasses and he doesn't have glasses on. Oh yeah. So Jim's like all messed up. Uh, and eventually there'd be like slight uphills and flats and Jim would catch back up to me. And Jim's like, I can't believe you're doing this. Like, I can't believe that you're closing this hard at the end of the race. And I like, all I can say is like, I want it. Like, I just want it so bad. And we keep on going and like, I'm really getting into a tempo and the whole trail is marked with yellow, like rectangular blazes on the trees. And all of a sudden I realize there's no blazes. And I'm like, you have to be kidding me. I'm off the course. Like, it's the end of the race. Gosh. Like, how can I be off the course? And I, like, turn around. And I'm like, Jim, we're off course. Like, find the blazes. And so I've been running down this hill. And I turn around. And I just start running uphill. I haven't ran uphill in, like, 20 miles. And I just start sprinting. I'm, like, full adrenaline at this point. I'm running as hard as I can up this hill. And Jim and I find this little tiny entrance into a thicket of mountain laurels, uh, which are, like, rhododendrons. And like, I just completely missed the blaze because it was on the ground on a rock and I wasn't oh, paying attention to that. I was looking at trees and my footing, obviously, but we went through there and I was like, man, like I blew it. Like this kid passed me during this They Like there's no way. And so I'm, I'm flying down this trail and Jim takes like a huge tumble behind me. And like, as he's falling, <laughs> he's like, don't worry, I'll catch up. And like, I keep going and there's this guy like walking up the hill and like, did a kid with a hat come on? Like did kid with a hat did he just run by like no 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 kid like okay good and i i just keep on just chugging along jim is catching up to me on every uphill i'm losing him on every downhill and it's mostly a downhill to the finish like we're losing several hundred feet every mile and we're like coming around to where i'm like familiar with the trail i'm like oh yeah i've i got it in the bag for holding on to second now uh, and right before the finish, there's a bell to ring to let people know you're coming in. I smash the bell as hard as I can. And I, I came flying into the finish with everything I had left and jumped up and got to smack the top of the sign. Yes, that was is, so hype. I think that's that's probably going to be my my thing on good races is always just yes. smack the top of the sign. I got it on video, too. It was awesome. Yeah, it was so cool. But uh, it, it, it just went perfectly like I, I had what I think was like a perfect day. And the craziest thing about yeah. that is I still lost by an hour. Yeah. Like the the guy who won was only a couple minutes off of the course record and his watch was dead for 30 miles of the race. Like oh my gosh. just like an incredibly fast guy. Uh, his name's Sam Kirk. Uh, he's, he's, he can do it all. He's fast on the roads. He's like, he's come in the top 10 at JFK 50 on like really competitive years where like, uh like he he beat out people that are full-on like sponsored pros like he is a fast guy uh, he owns a little like breakfast diner and like i cross the finish and this guy just comes walking up to me calm as could be in his sandals and congratulates me on finishing the race uh and meanwhile i enter like convulsions after the race i go and sit in a yeah. chair and just shiver for an hour and like yeah. carried to the bathroom and here's this guy beat me by an hour and uh he seems just fine yeah, when he finished, his kid went up right to him and, like, tried to, like, 
get him to pick him up and like he was just like nah i can't right now like <laughs> he's like i need a second but then like five minutes later i turned my head and he's spinning his kid in the air like both hands just spinning him <laughs> yeah, but uh just... hey you got 16 more years until you're that you know you're faster than him so yeah he's yeah, 40 so you know yeah he's 40 years old uh that's, that's time, a big thing. Man. I, I got to come back when I'm 40 and see exactly. if I can break the course record. Uh, I think so, keep the trajectory going, man. Yeah, definitely keep the trajectory going. I mean, as far as the trajectory goes, like I came through the 50K mark 20 minutes faster than I raced the 50K on this course. Wow. Three years wow. ago. So like, yeah, you know, I was able to over double the distance and knock off what pace I was doing, which blows my mind. Uh, like I've, I've definitely made leaps and bounds when it comes to doing the ultra stuff i feel a lot more confident about the training yeah uh, it's it's what i want to do good yeah i mean i remember when you finished man i mean i didn't expect you to be giddy like i knew you just ran 70.5 miles <laughs> um and you were definitely definitely like deep in an abyss of pain yeah. and anything hurt i could tell just and I could kind of relate, but not really, like doing a marathon, but not even. I think it's just unreal. You have to do it to know, I feel like. To, you have to do a 70.5 to know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the, the physical pain is probably about the same. Like, honestly, it's probably about the same. But uh, as far as, like, the, the mental goes, I mean, I was I would say I was locked in for the whole 12 hours. Like, I yeah. wanted it the whole time. Yeah. And – uh I don't know. Just finishing was nuts. Like I, I definitely was running completely on adrenaline because it was full shutdown, mental, emotional, yeah, physical. Once the race was over, that was amazing. We were also like impressed by your ability to push those last miles as fast as you did. Uh, I don't think any of us expected you to be closing sub seven in the you know those last five six miles. It was. Um, that yeah. was crazy. You definitely shocked a lot of us when you did that. I saw you flying down, um, and we were, we all kind of thought you were going to come in soon because based on your goals and how things were going at um, through fifty. Although at that we were a little uncertain because you you hadn't been feeling good at that point, but um, when you came through, I think it surprised a lot of us because you were just going so fast that uh, I like whipped out my phone right away, got my video up, boom. But like I didn't have any time to like hesitate with that i had to pull it out right away to get the video um because you were flying dude yeah um, i i was so happy that you ended up getting a video of it because i i didn't yeah. expect that at all um, i just thought like i would want that if i was him like yeah i i would have wanted a video too of me finishing so i was like i'm gonna I'm get this sick video and then you yeah, did the slap thing which was like that was like um so perfect that could be on like a sidious mag post or something like that could be like a uh a big picture that they just put up on all the instagrams but uh that was sweet man um yeah you were you're definitely bonked after that one i remember they didn't have the uh they didn't have broth like they didn't have yeah. anything warm yeah. i was like dude what yeah like, they had like boiled potatoes and shredded chicken with barbecue sauce and yeah some people might want that, but that is not what I wanted. I just wanted broth, which eventually <laughs> were, they found. You it. did want broth. They did, yeah, you're right. They actually had some. They just didn't 
take it out when they were prepping yeah, the food they and hadn't stuff. Taken it out yet. Taken I it feel out like yet. they could have done a better job preparing food before you finish because they had twelve hours to do it. Like, yeah, I I think a lot of the problem there is just you know being at the front of races like that. You know, there's 140 people running, mm-hmm. but even in the next like two hours after I finished, only like four people finished in those next yeah. two hours. Like the times kind of drop off precipitously. Like I would say for this race, most people run in the like 16 to 18 hour range. Like that's when I'd say half the field comes in in that range. So I'm sure that it was all set up and it was like a party by the time they finished. But like, I think you even said, I mean, the winner, they weren't even like set up for him to finish. No, they were not. They didn't, they weren't ready for it. Nobody was ready for it. Yeah. We were all like, wait, what? You just finished? Like no one was ready. Um, it was bad. I felt a little bad for the guy because it was kind of uh, anticlimactic for taking the win. But, you know, I feel like people like him and you and the other ultra runners out there aren't doing it for necessarily the finish. They're just they're doing it for getting the most out of yourself and putting it all out there. Um, like what, what, do you, what is that kind of what you like the most about the ultra distance? I feel like you always like digging really deep. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, I was talking to Jim about it. Uh, one of, one of my favorite ultra runners, which he's everybody's favorite ultra runner, Jim Wamsley. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he's getting ready for the UP, UTMB race out in France right now. It's going to be this yeah. weekend. Right. Like they, they were putting up like promotional videos for him running this race. And uh, it was like right when I was like at my like peak training, like coming down, tapering, getting ready for Laurel Highlands. And like they asked him sort of similar question, like what a like what do you find like addictive about it? Like, why do you keep coming back to these? And he's like, well, it's sort of like you have the shovel and like you try and bring the biggest shovel you can and you just see how much you can dig and you just keep digging and digging and like it's addictive. And that's exactly how I feel. I mean, like. I just feel like there's there's always so much more to do in the ultra running. It's so hard to run a race and be like, nope, that's that's all I can possibly get out of myself mm-hmm. because all the courses are so different too. It's not like you're not just racing the clock. Like you're really racing the course. You're really racing yourself a lot of times too. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I would say like Laurel Highlands, I've done everything I can do there for now. Like until I reach like a new level of fitness, I have no desire to go back and do it because I feel like yeah. I had a perfect day absolutely uh, but that doesn't stop me from wanting to do other races uh, yeah i have plenty of other races i want to go out and do like now i'm starting to know a lot of our local names like the types of guys i want to beat and stuff like you know i, I want to be competitive in it but you know at the end of the day it is about just like i just want to see what i can get out of myself yeah and i feel like i feel like i'm i'm good with the mental toughness i'm really good at digging like that i have a pretty good history yeah. of closing really hard after long days like i i think that's just where my strengths kind of are i can mm-hmm. i can just keep digging and i i love seeing what's possible absolutely i think it's beautiful like i think it's a great way to learn more about yourself it's kind of an introspective experience when you do such a long race like that like i think you taste it a little bit when you do a marathon I definitely did in the last six at Toledo. I was hurting all all over, but I still stayed true to my pace. And uh, it definitely tells you a bit about yourself and how you handle like those really painful situations. Um, so I feel like everyone should try it because it it's definitely like eye opening. I think in terms of learning who about who you are as a person. Um, yeah, and 
and I, I don't think that you like you don't have to go super far. Like really, no. the yeah, like the uh, I, I feel like you don't need to be out there all day for that to happen. I think it's more about honestly, it just the it's the time on feet thing. I mean, go out and run as slow as you want to, but run for you know a little more than three hours. Like things become so wonky. Yeah, after three hours out there, like it's it's an entirely different type of experience to have to like be prepared to run for that long, just being on your feet that long. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so did you treat yourself to anything at the race? I know your stomach was kind of feeling a little weird, so I don't know yeah. if you kind of held off on the food for that day. If I recall, you had a really late dinner, was it? Yeah, I was gonna say I like I went home and I slept for a little bit and i woke up and i had some cup noodles i've always liked cup noodles are just like classic <laughs> pour the boiling water in the cup and then eat that so i i had some cup noodles and whatnot but the next day i know i was absolutely ravenous i mean i ate like i don't know i think i had four full meals the next day like four giant yeah. meals uh which i mean you've I got know, I, you burned seventy thousand plus calories at your yeah. race the day before more than that it was probably like almost eighty thousand, honestly. Uh, yeah. which is insane. Yeah, it, it, I mean, you definitely burn through a ton. Like, I, I mean, I could tell even just like you look at yourself like in a mirror afterwards. Like, I wish I would have weighed myself before and after oh because with like sweat and everything, there's no way I lost less than 10 pounds. Like yeah, I in tell, a marathon, you lose like up to seven. You can lose yeah. up to seven pounds of water weight. Yeah, like, I mean, just, like, looking at myself, I mean, I could see just, like, my ribs and, like, my stomach, like, caved in on the sides, like, oh ne- like gosh. definitely looking bad. And that was with me, like, putting down a ton of liquids all day, and I ate a lot, like, more than I normally do. I mean, I got through some PB&Js. I ate a lot of chips. I ate oranges. Yeah. I had, like, you know, 10 goos while I was out there. I mean, I put down a lot of calories while I was running, but I don't know. It's It's difficult. It's like yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, you're going to be digging into the reserves for sure, no matter how much you're putting in on race day. Yeah, I think the question with the races of that length is just when you hit, you know, that part where you're you start to feel really bad, because uh, it can happen in anywhere on race day. Um, thankfully for you, is you know, you had the first 45 miles to go really well for you. Um, I'm, I'm sure others probably got hit sooner. Maybe others got hit a little later with it, but that's always the question in those type of races is just, when is it going to happen? Yeah. It's, it's not a question of like, are you going to feel bad? It's when gonna, are you going to feel yeah. bad and can you come out of it? Cause like the, how I said that kid that was in second for a lot of the race that I was trading off with, you know, I talked to him afterwards and everything. And like, he kind of hit a wall from like 30 through 50. Uh, mm. whereas I hit my wall from like 45 to 65, like equal mm. length of just feeling bad, yeah. but, uh, completely different scenarios. It's weird how that works. It can happen in various places for everyone. I don't know. Yeah. I, I like, I, even in my Toledo marathon, I, I did not expect to feel as bad as I did at 13 to 15. I felt so bad. Like right when I hit 13, it was like a switch and I felt like horrible. And I was like, there's no way I'm holding this pace. And then, like, right after 15, I passed both guys, and I was like, I felt amazing for the next five. It's just weird how that works, kind of ebb and, ebbs and flows um, yeah. on the day. It's, like, not yeah. even anything you can do about it. It just happens. Yeah, you um, just have to be able to manage the the highs and the lows for sure. Because, like you said, yeah. I mean, they, they happen. And really, the people that have a good day are the ones that get out of those lows. 
Like, exactly. It can suck to keep holding on to that pace, but like uh, that's the one thing that was good is like even though I didn't feel good, I didn't lose much on my pace for a lot of that section where I was feeling bad. You know, yeah, I was slipping up a little, but it wasn't like a blow up or anything. I mean, I've blown up enough times. This wasn't a blow up. This was just I'm feeling bad. I need this to be over or to end or something. Yeah. So how long did it take until you were thinking about another race or doing something else? Um, I was pretty much thinking of races like the next day. Oh like, my gosh. <laughs> I, 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 I told myself I wasn't going to think about it at all. Like I at races until, uh, after the race. Like, I think that was, I was actually excited to start looking to see what other races I could get into. Mm. And, uh, mm. I don't know. I originally had a pretty ambitious race plan set up, you know, training took me a little bit to, I had some kinks to roll out. I was pretty beat up from Laurel Highlands, but, uh, back in the swing of things now, looks like I have some races on the schedule and then trying to put some big races on the schedule next year, hopefully. Uh, like what? Oh, so I am running the roaring run 50 K, which is actually also down in the Laurel Highlands in October. Okay. Um, okay. It's it's not on the same trails or anything. It's on a, a different trail system that uh, still, I would say, I mean, I went out and checked out the course a little bit the other day just because I wanted to go check it out, run somewhere different. And uh, it also was on like a really good fishing stream. So I went and fished after. Oh, nice. Too. Yeah. But uh, I went up to check this out and this course is gnarly. It's like, destructively gnarly it's so incredibly technical and like oh gosh this race is in october so hopefully the plants are died down but like i was running through like grass and shrubs for like miles at a time and like okay there's like rocks hidden in the grass that you can't see and like uh, yeah. there's sections there's sections of the trails that are literally just it's a pile of rocks it's like a pile Jeez. of rocks going down the side of a hill oh my it's like gosh. you lose like 800 feet in like three quarters of a mile yeah and, and this course goes up and down it so you have to be able to navigate the technical steps going up it as well as down it and it's it's going to be a brutal race i don't have any idea what the times are but i know a couple other fast guys are signed up for it guys i haven't ran against before that i think i'm going to be able to hold my own against um so yeah. we're going to keep kind of plugging away and hope that things go well then that's like i said that's All like right. october okay Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of the big one that is on the, you know, out in the horizon for yeah, you yeah. at this point that's, in time. That's the big one. And, you know, it, it'll be nice to be jumping back down a little bit to 50K. I haven't, I haven't raced a 50K in a long time, which is going to be a little different. Uh, yeah. It, it doesn't have many super fast sections because a lot of it is technical. Uh, there's a section that's like three miles that does like 27 stream crossings. Wow. So like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, it's Jeez. it's messed up. Like if we get it's heavy crazy. rains, I'm gonna have to like just blindly cross this creek over and over. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a grind of a 50k. It's gonna be way different than other long stuff that I've done. Yeah, uh, but I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's a beautiful area. Yeah, that's cool, man. Is that kind of gonna be a tune up for like a longer race down the road, or are you just really thinking right now, just keeping it shorter to like 50k um, range? So yeah, so I think that 50K in October, that's probably going to be my last, like, ultra race of the year, uh, just mm -hmm. based on, like, my available schedule and when races are offered. Because there aren't that many ultras, and especially in, like, PA and West Virginia and Maryland, there aren't many after October. 
Um, so I'm going to run that 50K, and then I believe I'm going to jump down and run the EQT 10 miler in November. Uh, so I'm going to have like one month to nice. try and really get back to running like 530s again. Oh, man, uh, that's going to be tough to bring the legs around like that. Oh, yeah, it's, it's going to yeah. be tough. I, I think that one will be fun regardless. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, I, I should be able to get down to at least 540s. If I had longer, I think I could get down to 530s. I'm going to incorporate some stuff towards the end of this block. You know, mm -hmm. I'm trying to get out there and do tempos and get used to running, you know, four or five miles at 540, 545. Like, okay. Okay. Uh, you know, I went out and yeah. did some, like, broken up tempo stuff already. I, You know, just throwing a little bit of it in here and there. I like to kind of throw the next block stuff in here and there. Uh, just so that you're a little bit ready for what's to come. Yeah, that way it's not just yeah. like, oh, I just did all this ultra and trail and hill, and now we're going to go into 530s. Like, everything's yeah. going to be based around that race pace. So I'm trying to, like, reacquaint myself a little. Uh, and I, I definitely want to do some other, like, big effort this year before the year's up, but I don't know what that is. Like, part of me almost wants to go back to JFK 50 in November, but like, I'm not mm. doing the right training for JFK 50. Cause that's very fast. Like you got to be able to go out there and run seven thirties. And like, yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I have like 50 miles of like seven thirty eight eight minute pace in me. I feel like I've just been focusing on technical stuff so much. So I might yeah. do something fun, like a, like a fastest known time attempt, or I might try and just string together like a really fun run. And like try and have other people do random loops with me and whatnot. But mm -hmm. I don't know. Probably going to do something fun in November to kind of cap things off. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll look towards the spring, which I, I haven't penciled anything in. But I'm I'm leaning towards the spring is going to have at least a 100K race. And maybe maybe I'll do my first 100 miler in like the spring or early summer. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I'm thinking of maybe jumping up i don't know the the big contingency here i think the really the only way that i'd run like an early season 100 next year 100 miler is uh world highlands does count as an entry to the western states 100 so i am entering the lottery uh oh wow okay which i nice. only have like a two percent chance of being selected but if i get selected to go run in the western states 100 i've got to oh, go man. even if i'm just going to like have fun and finish it it's like it's an iconic course everybody's there so yeah. at minimum, if I, you know, if I can get in, I'm going to go and I'm either going to try and have fun with it. Or if I'm in a good spot to try and like race it, I'm going to see, uh, just go out there, run my race and see if I can't be, you know, like a fringe top 10 guy. Like, yes, dude, it, you know, it, it drops off pretty steady. Like I know I can be in the twenties, thirties based on like people that I know that have gone and ran at it, like looked at some stats. You know, yeah. in the right year and enough people dying, yeah, I could take a, <laughs> like a ninth or a tenth if I had like a fantastic day. Yeah, okay, okay. I um, like dreaming big. I like that. But yeah, that's that's the the big big goal. I feel like I'm building towards. I want to get into Western okay. States. It's probably going to be sometime in the next. You know, they say that you should get in within five or six years okay. of entering the lottery. And I'm thinking, you know, the further I get in that five to six years, the better I'll fare. Uh, and I'd like to be able to get in, and you know fight for that edge of top 10. I think that's realistic. Yeah. I, I don't think I, I won't be a front runner at Western States. I don't think I ever will. Uh, it just keeps getting more and more competitive, but I can be on the edge of that like top 10. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. All right. Well, uh, that was fun to talk about that. And um, let's just get into a quick little uh, 
you know, I have so many questions I can still ask you, but it has been over an hour. Um, <laughs> oh. so, uh, let's time flies. I, I swear when you're just on the podcast talking and stuff. Um, Oh no, it definitely does. But let's just do a little like choose one or the other type of thing. So I'll give you two options and you just choose what you, what you prefer. Um, pretty self-explanatory. I think you'll get it. Um, so trails are red. I think we know trails. the answer. Yeah, obviously. Um, track or road? Road. Okay. Okay. Um, cross country or track? Cross country. Yeah. Uh, split shorts or half ties? Oh, they both suck. <laughs> uh, what do you wear? I've switched over to like the five or seven inch split shorts. Oh, five gosh. Seems like that's what I race in. It's what I run in every day. You do I, wear the long shorts. Yeah. Yeah. I Not not yeah. super long shorts, but long enough. They're like, I, yeah. I definitely wear longer shorts. Um, I'm probably going to go with split shorts. I, I don't do yeah. the half tights at all. So I still okay. got to switch. Okay. Um, running hat or no hat? Oh, hat. Hat yeah, on right you're now. A hat guy. I, I never don't have a hat on. I stumbled <laughs> upon the fact I forgot. I, I did a couple races without hats like two years ago, and my hair was a little bit shorter. Oh man, that's weird. It's weird. I can't even imagine racing without a hat now. Like that's been my thing. It's, that is your thing, Cole. Always on. you always wear the hats. Like cross country, even as short as like a five k, you'll still wear a hat. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, classic. I even keep the hat on for like four by four, and I've like tossed it off <laughs> in the middle of the race, like. Yeah, you always wore that yeah. white one with the like graffiti design on the top, or yeah, it has like yeah. a pit graffiti yes. design on it. Yeah, that's that's a staple. Um, backwards or forwards for the hat? Uh, I gotta go forwards right now. Yeah. I feel like hats won't stay on backwards for me with the amount of hair I have right now. Hardly yeah. ever. Uh, if I'm running slow enough, I can go backwards, but uh, I'd uh, say I'm I'm a forwards uh, guy. Okay. Okay. Forwards. Um, uphill or downhill for trails. Uphill. Okay. Uh, tempos or speed work. Tempos. Uh, long runs or workouts. Long runs. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, giving a lot of kudos or sparingly. Oh, almost everybody gets kudos on every run. You got out the door. <laughs> I don't. I don't really have too many. Uh no criteria criteria for... thank you yeah thank you i have yeah i don't really have criteria everybody has kudos <laughs> unless you do something stupid there's like some people run things and i'm like that's painful you're so dumb for even going out and like what that. like what i can't even say it i can't, can't <laughs> even say it it's like any of them that i say well everyone that we know will know exactly who i'm talking about so, okay okay, you know okay never mind i'm throwing cartique under the bus cartique <laughs> Our, our boy Kartik on the club team will like go out and run four miles at like 535 pace and be like, my shins hurt. And I can't tell whether I'm legitimately injured or if it's my shoes or if it's the weather. <laughs> like, well, maybe, maybe it's doing all the 530 pace work at the beginning <laughs> and ends of every run. Maybe. Firing shots, dude. But that's, oh, that's the type man. of stuff. I can't, I can't condone those activities. Absolutely not. I can't either, man. Uh, sorry, Kartik. I Probably, he's probably not listening to this, so I think we're all no, right. We're in the clear. I think we're cool. Unless one of his friends is listening and sends him the podcast and tells him to go to this time spam. But uh, we'll bank on that not happening. Uh, conservative racing or just going all out front front running? I'm a conservative race guy. Like pretty much all distances, I run very conservative. Yep. Works best for you, I think. 
Yeah. Yeah. Any, any time that I try and go out fast, it ends up at a very, very gnarly positive split. <laughs> um, Sunday long runs or Saturday? Both. Been doing Saturday and Sunday long runs lately. That's so, chaotic. That's chaotic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, like I said, the back to back. The back to backs. Yeah. The weird thing, I was doing Thursday, Friday long runs when I was in Colorado. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, because because oh, okay. the trails are less busy on the weekdays oh. than the weekend. So yeah, just, I I liked being on the trails when they were empty. Why not, man? Why not? Who cares? I don't know yeah. why everyone's got this predefined notion that long runs have to be on Saturday or Sunday. I think it's just the fact that people have busy schedules on the weekdays. Um, yeah, that's but, a lot of it. I... Yeah. Uh, last one: training or racing? Not training. I I love training. Like. I don't know. I, I race a good bit, but and I, I enjoy the races, but just going out and running is like my favorite thing. Like I'm itching to get out the door every single day. Like I don't I don't remember the last time I had to force myself out the door to run. Like yeah. if I don't wanna, if I don't want to run, I don't run anymore. Like I'm at, I'm at that point where if there's a day and it looks nasty out and I don't feel good, no, I don't go run. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I'm on a long streak of just I feel like running every day uh truly a soul runner at heart yeah i love it there's, that there's sums you better. up i mean i've been runner. really getting into the whole like even when i go out on my runs you know i click my watch over to just show the time mm -hmm. i don't even bother mm -hmm. looking at what distance or pace or anything i got going i just go and run make up the route as yeah I i'm i'm big on that now actually i used to not do that but i only do the time now just like yeah. helps the time go by quicker and kind of appreciate things more and when you're not looking at your data all the time. Yeah. I think it's, it's more beneficial to just getting used to just feeling out the body and just, yeah, I don't know, just taking guesses at how far in you are. Yeah. I think a lot of people who are first getting into running, uh, can be a little bit too data intensive, but I think the best thing to do, especially when you're starting is to be able to feel out efforts. Uh, cause that's important going forward. Uh, like for, in my case, I'm injured, obviously, but and when I come back, I'm only going to want effort-based runs. I'm not going to be looking at time because obviously I've lost a lot of fitness. So in yeah. instances like that, you don't want to even be worrying about pace or you don't want to worry about that. You just want to want to worry about effort because really, that's all the heart knows is effort. Doesn't know yep. about the times, whatever you're running. It doesn't. It's just effort. Um, so that's my little spiel on that. Cole, that's that's it for today. Thank you for coming on, man. Do you have any tips to uh, aspiring ultra runners out there looking to do something crazy just sign up and go do it it's way easier if you just actually get into it i mean i know i had like a handful of people telling me like you shouldn't get into it young da 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 uh, i i think that's completely wrong i think you should go and do it uh you know do it safely look into stuff don't be like me don't jump to your first ultra with like half a bottle of water and one singular goo and like a container of Mio and think you're going to make it through the run, you're not. You're going to die. You're going to feel terrible. You're going to lose to a whole bunch of like very slow 40-year-olds. They're going to beat your pants off. Uh, they're going to absolutely dominate you. Uh, no, just practice practice nutrition. Have fun. Go out, Just get like lost in the woods. Like if you're somebody that already likes hiking, getting lost in the woods, the ultras are for you. Just, just go into them. Just start doing it now. There's more and more young kids doing them all the time. The kid that uh, I ended up passing at the end of Laurel Highlands, you know, he's only 24. So he's yeah. like a year, 
a year older than me and out at Eastern States where I was pacing Nolan, uh, we, I finished the pacing and who comes up to me, but Emmanuel, the kid that I beat at Laurel Highlands comes up and he goes, you're Cole, right? And I'm like, Emmanuel, how's it going? And he's like, good. And I'm like, Oh, are you here to pace? Like, are you helping volunteers? Like, no, I ran the race. I'm like, Oh, well, <laughs> what, how'd you do? And he goes, well, I got second. I'm like, <laughs> well, at, like what, how long ago did you finish? And he's like nine hours. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my gosh. I, you know, this is like another, another young kid. Like you definitely seeing more and more young guys out there racing. And I think it's a good thing. Like I think, Absolutely. you know, not everybody has to do the whole track and cross country into road racing like do what you want if you like the trails go run trails yeah literally just comes down to do what makes you happy if you want to do it do it you know just be safe about it obviously yeah um, that's the biggest thing just be safe i feel like nutrition is honestly like probably one of the most important things when you're starting out in the ultra scene obviously doing longer runs too though having a lot of time on feet um which you know best so that's that's it for today cole thanks so much for yeah. coming on man that was fun yeah, no problem, Jake. It was good to good to catch up with everything and run run back through some stuff I haven't thought about in a while. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of, you know, reassess what what you're doing here. Um, cool. Thank you so much, man. That was fun. I'll yeah. uh, I'm sure we'll we'll talk again soon. So, yeah, have fun in Pittsburgh doing whatever you're awesome. doing. Awesome. We'll do. Thank you, Jacob. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. All right. See you, Cole. All right. See you, buddy. <laughs>